Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The New York Mets have acquired Francisco Lindor. It has happened. We have been dying for this moment. We have been hoping for this moment since the launch of this show. And let's not forget Carlos Carrasco and the deal as well. But what is up, everyone? Episode 24, by far the most excited I have ever been to do this show. By far the most excited I have been as a New York Mets fan in 13 years since the team acquired Johan Santana. That's in terms of an offseason move, this is the biggest one in over a decade. What a day for the New York Mets. What a day for the fans of the New York Mets that quite frankly just don't get these moments this time of year anymore. Times have changed. Things are changing. The New York Mets have made the biggest splash of the MLB offseason by bringing in possibly the best shortstop in all of baseball, while also solving a huge hole in the middle of their rotation. And the return seemed kind of low. And we're going to get into everything today. There is so much to dissect here, what the lineup will look like, what the Mets gave up. Uh, there is a lot to go through here. Before, But before we get into all of the specifics, the logistics, I just want to make this clear. Uh, it feels amazing. It is truly such a special moment as a Mets fan. I'm your host, Connor Rogers. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Joe DeMeo. Joe, we've been, this is the one. This is the one that we wanted every time we talk about trades, signings, anything. It felt like it had started to slip away. It felt like the Mets had pivoted and put their eyes elsewhere. And it kind of comes out of nowhere. We were dying earlier in the week when we recorded our show, and we said, give us something here, New York Mets. And this was the exact kind of trade we had talked about. How are we feeling now as this has finally come through? I couldn't be happier. And like you said, this is the biggest move, offseason move, that the Mets have made in over a decade. This isn't just you know a, a nice trade. They got one of the very best players in baseball that frankly by everything I hear everything I've seen he's the kind of guy that's built for New York he loves big stages smile happy good looking throw him up on a billboard like he's a franchise player in every sense of the word and 
I can't believe it happened. I was sitting there. If if you told me Jeff Passan was going to tweet out that the Mets were making a huge move, I was just going to say, I guess it's George Springer time. That's awesome. And I would have been ecstatic there too. But the Mets, what they did is just played the market. And that is a sign of where this organization is going, where, yes, center field is a bigger need than shortstop, right? Like you have Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario. But whether you need shortstop or not, Francisco Lindor is making a difference on virtually every team in baseball. And now he's a New York Met and he's 27 years old. I can't imagine they made this deal without an idea of what it'll take to work out an extension with him. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily imminent, but I don't think they'll let him see free agency next year. So I think Francisco Lindor is going to be the Mets shortstop for the next eight, nine years, something in that neighborhood. And what else could you ask for? Uh, you know, at, at this point, obviously they still have some other, some other holes to fill, but is starting pitching still a hole that they have to fill? Jared Porter seemed to imply in the press conference just a little bit ago that they're still looking at the starting pitching market. But you, I mean, we've talked about it here that if they just signed an Odorizzi or a Tanaka and brought in maybe some back-end competition for Mats that you could go into the season with that rotation. Well, Carrasco's better than any of those second-tier stars that they could have signed. So they got a better starting pitcher. So if they really want to, they could go into battle with these guys and bring in competition for Mats. But you also, you might see them go go for something else. So it's an exciting day for me. It's an exciting day for the Mets. All of you should be ecstatic that we're talking to you right now about this move. It's it, it's a, It's a true game-changing move. There's no other way to describe it. I mean, this is the one... There's so much to get into here, but I think let's just keep it simple. Because this will be a long show. For an emergency episode, They, you know, when you sign James McCann or anything like that, it's, you're going to get your 15, 20, 25 minutes. There's a lot to go through here, and rightfully so. But Francisco Lindor, you started off with DH. That's a really big one here for me. He is 27, Really just turned 27 in the middle of November. November 14th is his birthday. Keep that one in mind, Mets fans. So you're talking about a player entering his prime at an absolute premium position. He's a gold glove player at that premium position. And for a position that, quite frankly, you don't see a lot of pop at for the most part, this is someone before the shortened regular season, he had hit over 30 home runs three seasons in a row. 2017, 2018, 2019, 33, 38, 32 home runs. And he will swipe over 20, 20 bags. I mean, he'll give you 15 to 25 steals. This is a special talent. This is everything you dream of when you hear five-tool talent. And you said something, Joe, that I think a lot of Mets fans, understandably, aren't aware of yet because base, it's hard for baseball fans to be you know, not all baseball fans are fans of the league, right? It's not like the NFL where you turn on and you watch every game. I know as a Mets fan, I, I just, I watch the Mets. Will I watch other games? Yes, if it's a big time one. But how much American League baseball are you watching night in and night out? Francisco Lindor has this personality that it's the smile. It's the running around. It's the 
camaraderie and chemistry and relationships with every single person in that dugout. It has that Jose Reyes vibe in the dugout. And quite frankly, the Mets have done a really good job recently of having a very marketable team, right? Pete Alonso is an outspoken die hard, you know, really plays really hard and loves the fans and loves the crowd, feeds off the crowd. He's one of those guys. The Mets have players like that. But to add one that, quite frankly, can be here for almost the next decade that is a cornerstone of your team that just, he is built for the moment. I mean, the grand slam against the Yankees in the playoffs is, I've seen it everywhere on social media all day, could watch it a million times, but you know, the home run in Puerto Rico, obviously the all-star games. This is someone that can really be one of the faces of New York sports, right? In a time where the Jets and Giants are not winning and, hey, the Knicks are playing pretty good ball. But once again, you're not looking at a market, marketable star necessarily as the face of the Knicks. You know, the Yankees are the Yankees. There's no doubt about that. But when the Mets are really good, this is a baseball town with the powerhouses that can be the Yankees and the Mets. And when you have a star on your team, it changes everything. And Lindor is really, really that guy. And I think it's going to be, it'll bring people to the ballpark. It'll elevate, I think, the mood of this team at all times. I think it was cool. I was listening. Carlos Carrasco did some radio right after the trade. And he said, hey, Lindor called me and said, hey, Cookie, like we're going together. Like, th- that, I think that's really special. I think it's something that'll help both of those guys adjust here early on. And, and quite frankly, it's it's sol- it does solve needs to me. I know, I agree with what you're saying. Was shortstop the most pressing thing? As a position, maybe not. But in terms of this team needing defense and speed, absolutely. It's the two things they lack in the lineup. They don't really have great defense across the board. I know Jimenez was good, but Lindor is special, and they just don't have a lot of speed in the lineup. And you've added both of those things for a player that, once again, is tw- just turned 27 years old and can be an identity of your team. So I, I just, this trade made too much sense, and we're not going to stop talking about both of these players, but I do want to touch on the return because, number one, there is no one that can speak to it better than Joe, quite frankly, because these are not big-time prospects, and a lot of people are reading those names for the first time, but Joe is not. So we'll get into Jimenez, we'll get into Rosario, but these are prospects that I know, Joe, were outside of your top five, that were more towards number 10, and the Mets, I think Jared Porter even said, they're not interested in trading their top five prospects. What are your thoughts of the cost here and those two guys as a whole. And I know the answer to this question. I was going to ask if you were surprised, but I know you were. This return seems a little low. The return definitely seems a little light. Uh, what I will say is that I, I I think the Mets clearly won this deal. Let me be very clear before I, I go on here. The Mets, no doubt, uh, looking at just pure value, won this deal, you know, in a normal off season, like call it two years ago, you might have had to trade two of the guys inside your top five to get this conversation started, let alone none and actually accomplish the deal. 
But they did get six years of control on Andres Jimenez, who we all would have been perfectly happy if he was the Mets' everyday shortstop in an attempt to contend. So getting him uh, was obviously a, a good and important part of the deal for Cleveland. Ahmed Rosario still has untapped potential. Uh, he was the number one prospect in baseball. He obviously has not lived up to that, but there still is some talent there. So see what Cleveland could squeeze out of him. But prospect-wise, uh, Josh Wolf. He was the second round pick in the 2019 draft. So right in between Brett Beatty and Matt Allen, I had him ranked as the eighth prospect in my system on my list over at SNY TV. If you'd like to go look it up, uh, power arm that really, when he was coming out of the draft was a pop-up prospect. And when you'll hear me use the term pop-up prospect a lot, cause this show's going to cover the draft a lot. So just to give you an idea, really what that means is a guy that, in his final season of high school or in college in that case just made a big uptick in stuff velocity um, a size difference uh, at the plate power you know things like that but for Josh Wolf it was a guy that after his junior year of high school he wasn't considered a guy that would go in the top five rounds but then he showed up his senior year throwing 96 97 and showing a, a quality curveball, and that and that led to him being a second-round pick. Uh, I think he has a high upside. Uh, Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline had compared him to Lance McCullers Jr. when the Mets drafted him, so he has mid-rotation upside, but he pitched a couple innings in the Gulf Coast League and then missed all of this year with uh, coronavirus and no, and no minor league season. So he's still a bit away got upside but the floor is uh pretty low with him and Isaiah Green guy they drafted this year in the third round that I know the Mets were very excited to be able to land him uh with the 69th pick where they got him but you know it's it's the price you have to pay I think Green is an exciting athlete he's got he can run he can play center field he shows some good bat the ball skills but he was a guy that you know, he wasn't on national circuits. He got his reputation from being on the scout team to face Team USA. So he was on the scout team just playing against him. And, you know, he'd start hitting against these guys. And they're like, oh, who's this guy? And, you know, the Mets were on Isaiah Green for a while with especially area scout Glenn Walker was heavy with Isaiah Green. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, talented kids, but the Mets got the best shortstop in baseball. And let's call him a quality number three starter. The Mets certainly win value-wise, but given the fact of the financial climate and certainly in comparison to the U Darvish trade, this isn't like that. The Mets didn't give up nothing in this deal. Uh, they gave up some stuff, but like you said, they are maintaining that their top, top guys aren't going. And Jared Porter refused to say names, but I'll say them for him. Ronnie Mauricio, Brett Beatty, Matt Allen, Francisco Alvarez, Pete Crow Armstrong, and probably JT Ginn, too. Like, I think those are the guys that they're talking about. We're not touching these guys. Anyone else is up for discussion. And, you know, they were, they were able to hammer this deal home. And it's it's a win for them, no question. Yeah, no question. I, and that's because the money. You know what I mean? There are truly, there are times where you can just flat out say winners and losers. And being the anything can happen. But... Cleveland knew that it was going to be pretty tough for them 
to come away and feel, you know, and obviously not have the backlash of the fans and, and all those things. This is about the money. Francisco Lindor is going to require a mega extension. If you're a Mets fan, that should not bother you, right? It's he's 20, Once again, he's 27, base of the team for a long time. Carrasco, in, you know, the big picture, is very affordable, actually. For the, you know, we talked about it in the last show. I, was, I sat there and said, you know, I kind of would rather them go after Sonny Gray because I think it'll be cheaper. I was wrong. I mean, this is way cheaper than I expected because I thought... I knew Lindor, they were starting to lose leverage. And I said, they can't wait till the trade deadline because then they'll lose all of their leverage. But I didn't think it had gotten this low, number one. And I knew if they added, or thought if they added Carrasco, it would really beef up the deal. Because like you said, Joe, he's making $12 million a year the next two years, which is great. You want him not as a rental. You want him as a two-year kind of guy. Team option after that. So if you if you feel like hey he's staying healthy everything's okay you know he's an arm that we like at that price you can pick up the team option for the third year so there's a lot of team control there at a pretty reasonable value so I was surprised I was just very surprised I thought one of J D Davis or Brandon Nimmo would be in this deal because let's not forget Cleveland is typically one of the best teams in the American League and I think they have full intentions of still competing to win that division. And I thought they would want, you know, a, a pro-ready player that gives them a, a little bit of something else, right? We know Jimenez has a good glove. He's a young, exciting player. Uh, a lot of speed. I, I thought his approach at the plate was very impressive for his age last year. He's the guy in this deal that Cleveland should be excited about. Rosario is is a bit of a project in terms of, you know, it, it has not come together, unfortunately. And... It doesn't look like shortstop is his long-term home. I'm very surprised that Rosario was in this deal with Jimenez. I thought they'd want corner outfield like Nimmo or even J.D. Davis can play there and give you a little bit more pop. You know, there's just not a lot of pop in this deal. And I thought one of the prospects would have to be uh, Ginn, uh, Matt Allen, you know, Mauricio or Alvarez, I wasn't really expecting them to be moved. I was very fearful of losing Matt Allen. Really glad that didn't happen. But I thought, you know, Ginn could be in there. I, it's just, it's very surprising. And you have to feel really happy about it if you're a Mets fan. And getting away from the return, there's a couple things, even with the return. I mean, now you could still move J.D. Davis for something else if you need to. I'm not looking to just throw him out the door. He's a good player with pop. And you and you heard Jared Porter say this over and over again. We care about how deep this team is. It's very, very important to him. It's a personal value to him. And with the injuries the Mets have dealt with for a long time, anyone deals with them, it's vital. It's really, really vital. But before we get into the lineup and a little bit more on Carrasco, Joe, I, everyone's thinking it. What is the Mets' next move? Let's look at the luxury tax. Let's look at the current payroll. Everybody's sitting there saying, go get Springer. I, I think it's I think it's going to be a little rich. I really do, and I'll get into why. I just want to let you get, get in on this. What do you think is the next move, and how close are they to being done? So luxury tax-wise, I have them at about $27 million, uh, short of the tax at this point, and... Sure, you could fit George Springer under a luxury tax, probably, or at least it'll be close. Uh, but that just means you do nothing else. And I'm sure there are people listening to us right now that are like, 
Perfect. Great. Sure. I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't need anything else. I'll roll with the rotation. I'll roll with the bullpen. Just bring me Springer. But think ahead a little bit. Francisco Lindor is probably going to nab a deal in the, let's just for fun, call it 250 to $300 million range. Maybe even maybe even exceeds $300 million. So either way, you have that money coming out at a big price. If you add a Springer, let's say, that is 25 plus. You're probably kissing Michael Conforto goodbye. You're probably kissing Noah Syndergaard goodbye. Do you want to do that? I I don't think I do, personally. Um, but maybe some people feel differently. Uh, so they have some room to play. I think Jared Porter had made it clear that there is still interest in adding to the rotation and the bullpen. So might you see them want to take a shot on one of the injured guys like a James Paxton, a Corey Kluber, and just go for a big upside play on a one-year deal and fit that comfortably under a luxury tax and still be able to go elsewhere. You bring in better competition. It wouldn't even really be competition for Mats at that point. It'd be pushing Mats to the bullpen or off the team, potentially. And in that case, you'd have a rotation of DeGrom, Stroman, Carrasco, call it Kluber or Paxton, and David Peterson. And then when Noah Syndergaard comes back, you have the flexibility to send Peterson to AAA and have even further starting pitching depth and then add Syndergaard with those other four. That's a rotation that's ready to play in October. There's no question about it. So I think you could see them potentially look in that way. You know, they were at Paxton's workout. They're going to be at Kluber's workout. So you might see them jump there. Uh, Brad Hand is a name that the Mets are interested in. Other teams are too, and some teams possibly with closing opportunities available. So they may not be able to win that one, but still keep your eye on it. Uh, I think they're interested there. I, I haven't heard them so much on Liam Hendricks, but I didn't hear them on Francisco Lindor either in a, in a meaningful way. So really anything could happen. But I think starting pitching, bullpen, and center field is still going to be something that they want to pursue. Uh, Jared Porter said they want to improve still want to improve defense up the middle. So Brandon Nimmo is not a guy that is going to help you defensively in center field. Really good player. He's a super valuable player in left field. In center field, it, it certainly dings his value. So do they turn to a Jackie Bradley Jr. in free agency? Do they turn to the trade market again and try to capitalize on taking more money from Tampa Bay and taking a Kevin Kiermeyer off their hands? So... I think they're going to be looking for center field help still. By all accounts, Springer's not out of the conversation. Uh, that's what all the writers are saying. Sandy wouldn't shoot it down. Jared wouldn't shoot it down. But personal opinion is that it feels unlikely. And they'll pursue defense in center field because they added the offensive thump in Lindor. And you might see them go the Bradley Jr. or Kiermaier route. Yeah, when you look at this, I know the obvious the obvious thought, because I had it as well, is go get Springer now, right? And you would think, hey, he's a guy that, of course, wants to win, but he wants to get paid. So I know a lot of people might be thinking, hey, you know, this might encourage other, guy, other guys to sign with the Mets. Yes and no. I think for Springer, it's a not a unique situation, but an obvious situation. He just wants to get his big payday, and that's okay. I, I have no problem with that. I don't think he's the kind of guy that's influenced by this. But what I will say is, 
what a lot of people are forgetting, and you made a good hint, you you mentioned this many times before, Joe, is that uh, it's annoying, but you have to keep in mind the Cano money coming back on the books next year where you can't get too crazy because, like you said, it's going to start to involve the impact of a Conforto extension, right? You just can't give everyone $30 million or close to it. And for me, when it comes down to it, I like George Springer. He's the guy we've wanted in free agency. But if the if there is a big-time, big-time significant difference, and we always said, if they lose out on Springer, then you pivot to the trade market. Well, they already went to the trade market. So now are you still in on Springer? I don't know. And I, I would love to get him. But if the asking price is truly well above $150 million, and he's going to hold firm on that, you might have to explore other options, and it's not because of this year, and you could thank Brody Van Wagnen for this. It is really because of the following two years where you still have to deal with Cano's money, and it's a problem. And I know there will be a day where Steve Cohen doesn't care about the luxury tax, but I don't think you want to start getting a little messy this early right away. And I think Sandy is the kind of guy that's going to strongly advise against that anyway, where... Now, what you, I know you're great at looking this up on MLB Trade Rumors, the projections. I don't know what Jackie Bradley's is. But what I do know is, and I know, I know Joe will follow up with it, but what I do know is he's definitely better than anything the Mets have defensively in center field, and I would be very, very pleased at his addition. I don't think he's a, this huge problem at the plate where you know, you can't be your everyday center fielder because the Mets lineup is so strong in other areas. Now, is he great offensively? Absolutely not. But if you're talking about a mega difference with him and Springer that you're putting on the table and you say, hey, we can go get Springer now, but you might lose Conforto and Syndergaard next year. I don't even want to entertain that. Or you can go get Jackie Bradley the deal's obviously way smaller. It's like almost the McCann-Real-Muto debate all over again in my eyes. And then maybe you give Brad Hand a, a one-year deal at a pretty high value, and you go get a Kluber or uh, Paxton on a one-year deal, and then you solve a couple things. You have your center fielder. You have your fifth or sixth starter that you're taking a flyer on. You've added a significant, significant addition much needed to your bullpen. And then next year, you got a lot of money coming off the books between the hand contract and one of the starting pitcher's contracts where you can do that Conforto extension and kind of swipe around the money. So what are your thoughts on that? Am I crazy here? And I'm not, I know what people are thinking. Bradley Jr. and Springer are not in the same stratosphere. It's like McCann and Real Muto. I get that. But I am not in, I'm not losing Michael Conforto, and it's just as simple as that for me. I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, we're going to have a $400 million payroll, because I know that's not happening. We have to be realistic here. What do you view Bradley Jr.'s value at, and am I on the right path here in, in terms of the Sandy kind of structure? I do think you're on the right path. I think Brad Hand will ultimately end up probably getting a two-year deal. It seems that's kind of the market for the relievers this uh, this offseason thus far is that these guys are taking two years. Uh, so, But otherwise, you know, the Kluber packs the guys one-year deal. Um, MLB Trade Rumors, you mentioned that. I decided to look it up. They had Jackie Bradley pegged for two years, $16 million as their 
projection coming in. So eight eight million a year. Um, so even if you want to call it ten, so if you want to call it two twenty, you know the Mets can pull that off, and he's obviously an elite center fielder. Um, not just good, he's elite. And Springer's a guy that is a good center fielder that we know will have to transition to a corner at some point. Uh, Bradley's going to play center field at least for the next three years at a very high level. So if you can pull in a, a guy like him, um, and he does provide some speed and power. So the average and on-base skills seem to fluctuate with him a lot. Uh, so you don't know if you're getting a 230, 300, two, you know, 230 average, 300 on-base guy. But he might pop you, you know, 15, 20 homers and, you know, steal 15 bags. And obviously he plays excellent center field, which frankly, at this point in time, after adding Lindor, that's, to me, that's the premier offensive addition to, to the team for this offseason. And I'm perfectly content going defense in center field. And I, I think your lineup will be pretty much complete at that point. I mean, unless there's, you know, a, a cheap third base option out there just to give you an an alternative to J.D. Davis, who certainly is not a good defensive third baseman, but has some pop and is able to hit from the right side. So maybe you give yourself another option there. But otherwise, no, I think you're, you're right on, on track. You know, a center fielder like a Bradley, a pitcher like a Kluber or Paxton or someone similar that's going to take a one-year deal. And for a reliever, you know, if you want a Brad Hand, you're probably going to have to go two years, I think. Uh, but you could, you know, there's other relievers out there. If you want to be patient enough, there's going to be some reliever that falls through the cracks that has to take a one-year deal. And you, you might be able to pay off on some value there. And and Porter really said it. Like, the market's going to dictate what we do. And that that's the way you have to play it. It's not just these are our needs and, you know, we just have to fill them as quickly as possible. It's let the market play out. The Lindor market played out today. You know, that's that's when it worked out. Um, the Springer market could be a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month away. And kind of in, in the, in a sense, it's obviously, it's really different, but in a sense, it's kind of similar to the McCann Real Mudo thing where the Mets, McCann was ready to move. So they had a choice of signing McCann now or letting him go to the Angels or somewhere else and being backed into a corner essentially to give Real Muto whatever he wanted. The Lin- the Cleveland Indians were ready to move on Lindor. So it was at the point where they had to decide, are we going to go through with Lindor and Carlos Carrasco here or are we going to wait and see if we get George Springer? And then at that point, Lindor may- maybe is in Toronto and or somewhere else and now we're forced to give Springer whatever we want because our backup plan may have been Lindor. So it's just play the market. And when, when people are ready to move, you have to be involved with all the teams, all the agents. And when someone's ready to move, if it fits what the Mets deem as proper value, then you act then. And, you know, from there you pivot to whatever's next. Well, here's one for you then, Joe, because I look at it like this. Now that this move has happened, it seemingly came out of nowhere, even though Sandy said they have worked on this deal almost the entire offseason, and it just really, really, you know, kicked into gear at the beginning of this week because they said Cleveland got a little more specific. Does this speed up the offseason now? Because I look at this big picture, 
little picture is great for the Mets, right? This is awesome. This is exciting. Big picture for baseball, just like when McCann signed, but only on a, a even more wider range now, this starts to cause some leverage problems across. Number one, the Mets are were known as the biggest player coming into the offseason because of Steve Cohen and their needs. The Mets aren't going to do this every year. The Mets hope they build a sustainable, really good baseball team where every free agency, they don't have to take on like $100 million of players. They already have really good players that are cost-controlled and some make a lot of money and they go sign a starter or a reliever or things like that. But right now, this was the big one. I look at this right now and think this has a trickle effect across the league where I know he's making his YouTube videos and tweeting through it and all of that, but it has to bother him inside. This impacts a Trevor Bauer because... The Mets aren't signing a Trevor Bauer now, and if they do, I'll, you know, whatever. I'd be mind-blown, but the Mets got Carlos Carrasco now. That's a huge, huge potential bidder off the market for Trevor Bauer, and even a guy like Odorizzi, and it goes on and on and on. Those, you know, the big-time pitchers that are going to get big-time contracts. The Mets are out now. That hurts you a little bit. It's the same thing when they sign McCann. It takes away a big player for Real Muto. Now you have Lindor, who is your big, big piece of the lineup, because they are going to allocate a significant amount of money. Now that they've acquired him, you have to assume you're getting the extension done with him at an alarming number, which is fine. I don't care. But it might impact your ability to go out and get a Springer, where everyone said it's the Jays and the Mets on Springer. Well, we don't know this, but if the Mets are out on Springer, and that word gets around to the Jays, they're not giving him $175 million. They're going to sit on their firm offer right now, whether that's 120, 130 mil, whatever it is. That's a big gap, a big difference. My theory, the Mets, they're not trading for Nolan Arenado right now. The Rockies have to be sitting there going, uh-oh, we need, we want to move this guy, and I, we don't know if we even have anyone besides the Dodgers, which we don't want to send him there. I look at this move, Joe, and call me crazy if I am, I think this has a mega trickle effect on the entire major leagues in terms of the pacing of this offseason where some guys that were being a little too patient, just a little bit too patient, they might be obligated or have the feeling of, hey, I got to move on some money pretty soon because I don't want things to get worse. No, I think you're absolutely on to something. I, I, I think everyone knows that the Mets were in on everything, just like the Blue Jays are seemingly in on everything. And in that case, the Mets very well may have just made their biggest move of the offseason. And if it's not the biggest move of the offseason, holy hell, I, I can't wait to see what happens. But it's it's probably the biggest move they're going to make, which conceivably takes them out on Bauer, like you said. It could take them out on Springer. Uh, they're out on Nolan Arenado. I know Bob Nightingale, which, poor Bob, he gets killed by everyone. But Bob Ni- Nightingale seemed, uh, wrote in an article today that, you know, the Mets were recently had talks with the Cubs about Chris Bryant. You know, I don't think they'd be in on that at this point either. Though, you know, maybe they, maybe if the Cubs are willing to take back some money, they can they can pull that off. Like if, if they took back a Familia and they were just willing to eat, you know, 10, of, 10 million of the 20 that Bryant's owed, like that could be something. But yeah, the, their biggest moves are done. And what these agents were banking on was having the Mets available as, at minimum, you know, a, a bargaining piece. Like Springer's Fake agent. Yeah. yeah. Springer's agent wants the Mets involved because, like you said, 
if the Mets are out, indeed out on Springer, then what incentive do the Blue Jays have to meet Springer's demands? They have none unless, you know, then Springer's agent has to drum up interest elsewhere. And there should be further interest in Springer, but there's just right now, I hope it is moving the market because frankly, I love the hot stove season. Mets, not Mets, anyone. Just, I'm just a big fan of the hot stove season. So I want to see people moving all over the place. It's fun for me. And, you know, I hope the Mets are kicking it off, but at the very least, Met fans complained about being bored and things like that. Well, look now. I don't think you're bored anymore. The Mets have made arguably the three biggest, three of the biggest signings of or trades of this offseason, and certainly the biggest. So you can't complain about what level of activity the Mets have done. The argument is not towards them per se. It's just a baseball thing that the offseason's too slow. And that's not a Mets problem. That's a baseball problem. And that needs to be figured out at some point. But if you're a Mets fan, you you couldn't be happier as to where we stand right now. So this one just came in from John Heyman. He said the Mets have not ruled out George Springer even after adding the two big salaries today. And he kind of reiterates that it's it's the Mets and the Jays as the guy as the teams that are, are serious about pursuing him. So, you know, another thing I would say is why well, I wouldn't rule out Springer, although it does seem a little, I don't want to say unlikely. It just I'm not, we're not be- it felt like a not a sure thing, but the closest thing to a sure thing for a while. And this really puts a it pivots everything. Maybe the Mets find some way to move a salary like Familia, where they feel better about this. I. I don't know. It's tricky, but it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. Back to Lindor. I think now you're seeing the wave two of the trade, right? The wave one was the crazy reactions, which was the beginning of our show and across all of social media and TV and everything. And we're going to get more into it on our normal episodes because we're going to do a lineup episode and all that stuff. But I want to kind of tease it here. Joe, where do we think... Lindor fits into this lineup because it's it's pretty loaded. Let's assume with the DH that we will have the DH this year. Where is Lindor's fit with this lineup on opening day when, fingers crossed, knock on wood, everyone's healthy? You you can bat Lindor anywhere, anywhere, <laughs> to, anywhere really two to two to two to five. You know, I, I'm looking at you know I'm a. I'm a Nimmo as a leadoff guy. I know many aren't. I prefer him in the leadoff spot, especially now with the thump that this team has. And then you have a combination of, you know, McNeil, Conforto, Alonzo, and now Lindor. So you could bat him anywhere two to five. Kind of, you know, maybe you're you're going to play matchups, right? Like look at hopefully using analytics to the point where like, all right, today is a big curveball pitcher and Lindor's not as good against curveballs. So maybe bat him fifth instead of second you know the things like that but I, I think it just gives you flexibility now with those top guys uh, it's he feels like a, a perfect three-hole hitter to me um but no I mean you could do whatever you want he's such a flexible guy frankly you can bat him lead off if you really wanted to he has a skill set that could do it but yeah to me anywhere anywhere two to five sounds wonderful and I love the fact that we're going to be doing some mock lamps that has Francisco Lindor in it uh, yeah, it makes it a lot more fun, yeah. right? I think, you know, and I've I've always I have not been the biggest Nimmo guy, but I actually really like his fit even more now in this lineup because his on base percentage is just in a different stratosphere 
compared to a lot of guys, and especially a guy like Lindor, where you put Nimmo at the top and you say, man, just get on base. You know, don't swing for the fences, even though he had some good power last year, eight home runs in just 55 games. You don't have to swing for the fences. Just be you. Get on base. And when you look at that, there's some big-time boppers behind him, where if you put him, you bat him leadoff, he gets on base, and then you're looking at some combination probably of McNeil and Lindor, 2-3, and then you're getting into the Conforto, Pete Alonzo, Dom Smith, I mean... James McCann. This is, and McCann's got pop for a catcher. This is a big-time lineup where, man, outs are going to be... <laughs> They're tough to come by. I mean, it really, a lot of power, but I can't emphasize it enough. Having that speed element now in the lineup, at the, towards the top of the lineup, it makes it a lot of fun. And, you know, it kind of puts less pressure on the guys like J.D. Davis, where you're not sitting there and you're expect you know, because J.D.'s been a little bit of a special, not a specialist, but we know his splits are a little different in terms of righties and lefties, where... I, I don't know. It's just the trickle effect is so big here, and it's so exciting. And, you know, they're not done yet, but this was – it's the move we've wanted on this show, and the fact that it really, really did all come together, it's just – it kind of propels the That's So Met show now leading up to opening day of all the different scenarios we can discuss with this roster so much flexibility and they're going to be adding they're adding more to this team so they're not done maybe it's maybe it's Springer I mean like multiple writers are saying they're not out so maybe I'm just I don't know wrong I guess well if you're Springer's uh, yeah. agents you're calling everyone oh yeah the Mets are no. still oh yeah yeah I, I, I just talked to Jared two seconds ago what are you talking about yep <laughs> yeah but um you know maybe maybe they are still on it and you know it could require moving some money like you said can they pawn a familia off on somebody or a, a chunk of familia's money off because other than that there's there's not really other money to move um at least that are going to make any kind of substantial difference in a in a pursuit of a george springer but you're going to see this team you know porter has preached depth so you're going to see some additions to this team that maybe aren't of the star quality but they're going to give you more flexibility more versatility there's a guy in free agency. You know, they may not have a starting role for him, and another team may. But man, I wish they could get someone like a Kike Hernandez who plays literally every position. <laughs> like I would love to see a guy like him on the Mets, but he, it seems like he's more headed towards like an everyday role somewhere. But you know, they should be investigating this market. Like a Jerickson Profar is another guy that plays multiple positions that maybe could come and be a valuable piece that can. Depending, you could play matchups, and th that's really where you want to get. You want to get to the point where your bench players are not just like, all right, well, so and so needs a day off. Lindor needs a day off, so we have to put whoever at short, Guillerme at shortstop. Even though Guillerme was really good this past year, but just as an example, like it, he's not an overly like exciting, exciting guy. But you know, you you need some real depth pieces that because people get days off, people get banged up. And you want to be able to put someone in that's going to be productive. So I still think there's plenty of work for the Mets to do. It just may be at the middle and lower tiers, and that's okay. Every, everything can't be a major move. But 
yeah, they're they're st- they're still going, and you know we got a few weeks before spring training, so you know ho- hopefully they give us another reason for an emergency pod. But if not, uh, they're gonna still give us plenty of content to talk about uh, on the regular show where we break down where this team's at. For sure, and, and you know we didn't do a ton on Carrasco today. We did a, a bit, but we will get into Carrasco more too as this offseason goes on. You know, everyone loves this guy. One of the most loved players, I think, in baseball. Obviously, battling back from leukemia and the consistency he pitches at, the type of character he is, and quite simply, the fact that the Mets needed a good pitcher in the middle of the rotation. Like, we've said it over and over again. We we love Jacob deGrom. We love Marcus Stroman. That number three spot was starting to become a significant concern. When you look at it, you go, okay, we could put Peterson in the fourth spot. We don't know if he's ready for that. We liked what we saw, but we're we're okay rolling the dice on that. And and while we wait for Noah Syndergaard to come back. And number five is, you know, like you said, I I do think one of those signings is coming. uh, An upside but has been hurt kind of guy. But that number three spot was scary. And... The biggest fear you heard on Tuesday or Wednesday's show was, I don't want to go into the season with Seth Lugo written in ink in that spot. I think Lugo's way more of an impact player in the bullpen. Like you said, Joe, he can pitch two innings for you on a night and really be a mega closer in a sense, where he can he can get you the seventh and eighth inning or the eighth and ninth inning when Diaz needs a break. Now you look at this and you go, okay, Carrasco's there at three. We're excited about him. Uh, he's been a very effective pitcher in the American League, which is not easy to do. And now he comes over here, you know, ready to go. Uh, it's just, it's a big one, a big one out of the way. Like we knew going into the season that Jimenez can play short, Rosario obviously, but getting Lindor is the upgrade. But that number three spot just looked like an absolutely blank slate. And it can't be stated enough how important getting him in this deal is. Oh, I I can't agree more. You know, like I said, Carrasco is better than Tanaka, better than Odorizzi, you know, better than the Paxton Kluber duo. He's better than all of those guys. You know, he's probably better than what they could have gotten from Tomiyuki Sugano. Uh, it's just that they got an upgrade at the number three spot in the rotation that I couldn't have reasonably expected. And it's definitely going to go under the radar a bit. It's kind of like how the Cano-Diaz trade is always going to be known as the Cano trade. That's for negative reasons, obviously. But this one, it's going to be for positive reasons. This deal is always going to be known as the Francisco Lindor trade. But Carlos Carrasco is going to make a gargantuan difference to the Mets over the next two, potentially three years, at excellent value for a pitcher of of his quality. So, Let's not forget about Carrasco when we're talking about this trade, you know, as we go forward. But no, you're absolutely right. The rotation got better today. The lineup got better today. The defense got better today. The speed on the on the team got better today. Just all around an awesome day for the Mets where they got better in multiple facets with just two players. My I'm way too excited hot take prediction. Carrasco makes his first all-star team. This year, which is crazy because he actually led the AL in wins in 2017. He was 18 and six with a 3.29 ERA, and you know last year 2.91 ERA, no All Star break. But 
with that being said, Joe, closing thoughts on what we think is going to go down as a historic day for our New York Mets. Just that. It's it's a historic day. It's a day that's going to be remembered for a long time. I, I firmly believe in a positive way, unlike some other major moves. But just an absolute credit to Sandy Alderson and Jared Porter and Steve Cohen for playing this right. You know, I have my ear to the ground a decent amount. You know, I don't I don't hear as much as, as some of the beat guys and certainly some of the national guys. But, you know, when, when things go down, it's usually something that, you know, I'll hear some whispers about beforehand. This just out of absolute nowhere. So an absolute credit to them to be able to keep this under wraps. Don't let it get public. Don't negotiate in the public, which has certainly been a thing from the past. And yeah, just just an incredible day that I think I'm going to be smiling for, for days now. And I, I can't wait to see what's next. And I hate to look ahead, but it's kind of what I do is, all right, now now what? This, this is awesome. We got this great move. You know, what are they going to do next? But I, I am going to take some time to enjoy this trade and uh, I'm going to go buy some New York Daily Newses and New York Posts tomorrow and keep those back covers because I think this is going to be a day to be remembered in Mets history. Yeah, take these next couple days because we'll be recording next Tuesday as we always do, unless they do something crazy during this weekend, which would be really, really nuts. But thanks so much, everyone. If it's your first time listening to the show, stay with us. We do this every week. When the Mets do something big, we have emergency pods, multiple pods a week, and the fun is just getting started. Uh, There's really a corner being turned here for this franchise, and let's all enjoy it together. We'll catch you next week. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Amira Rose Davis, host of the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. My white coaches just said, you may not get the scores that you deserve because you're Black. It's the story of a decades-long struggle of Black gymnasts trying to find and amplify their voices. I can't be the next Simone Biles. I can't be the next Dominique Dodds. I can only be the next version of myself. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.